Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs and it's kind of winter. We're going to get a little bit of nice weather coming up here into the last couple days of October and it'll good for all the kids and ghouls that'll be out there on Halloween night. So anyway, so it'll be uh, be nice and warm. Now. I think it's supposed to go up to plus nine here in Calgary. So that's pretty good temperature for trick-or-treating. Hopefully have a few kids out there. I think last year I had four in this new neighborhood. Came from a neighborhood where we used to get like 200. So <laughs> at the end of the night, some of them ended up getting just whatever you had in the cupboard. <laughs> grabbing stuff to, to see what you could find. So anyways, um, hopefully we get a couple more kids will be out because it'll be nice weather. And uh, and good weather for finishing up a little bit of gardening. And if you didn't pile any of your snow, now is still a good time before it melts here. Push it underneath your trees. Push it up against the foundation. Let that snow melt into those uh, usable spots. And, uh, and typically wherever it's, like I said, south-facing up against the foundation, under your trees, around your evergreens, um, also a good opportunity when we get that warm weather, if you haven't sprayed any of your evergreens, your tender evergreens with wilt proof, and that is the anti-desiccant. It's like a lip balm for your cedars and some of your junipers and boxwood. It helps keep them nice and green throughout the winter, um, without desiccating. And you can apply it sort of every two months something like that and if you do get it it's always nice to have it for your if you're doing the christmas greens in your house or out in your front porch you put those uh cedar branches into pots and birch and stuff like that um you spray it on there it makes them last like, three to four times as long so great product and uh and it's great in our climate where it is ultra dry i think my uh hydrometer says it's at about 20 percent right now so definitely a big drop from the summer where we we're sitting in the 40 percent so anyways it is getting dry i know i need a bit of that lip balm as well you can feel the lips cracking up anyways if you'd like to join me phone lines are wide open 403-974-8255 um, that is the talk and text line um, still time to, because the ground hasn't frozen. I was digging around there a couple of days ago. It's still pretty open if you want to plant some bulbs and things like that, if you if you didn't get to it. Also, I know Mark has sent out um, his notification to all his Elm customers that uh, we can start booking the Elm pruning now um, up until April. So... We do a lot of our elm pruning all through the winter time is when they're dormant. That helps prevent the Dutch elm disease from uh, spreading throughout uh, into Alberta, which we've been pretty lucky to keep it uh, keep it at bay. So anyway, that moisture was actually kind of good the other day. Um, fair bit, a lot more snow than we've typically get in October, and it seemed to stick around here for a few days. Um, so. Anyways, so don't be afraid to get out, shovel that stuff into some of those areas that you're that you're doing, and uh, and if you haven't uh, brought in your 
canna lilies, any of those, your Japanese maple that you might have in your pots. After that temperature we just had, now is a good time to pop those Japanese maples just into the garage, unheated garage in the corner. Um, and they can just sit there for four or five months until about uh, early April. And you'll start seeing them sprouting and you can start bringing them outside. Just watch for that really cold nights and that you might need to wheel them in back into the garage. Um, but also your bulbs, if you had dahlias, um, canna lilies, any of those, um, most of them should still be fine. You dig them out of the ground and cut off all the dead that uh, just froze and you can discard that, let them dry out here for a few days. And then you can store them in that cool, dark place over the winter and uh, have them ready to go early spring to get your dahlias and uh, and that going. Anyways, if you if you do want to join me again, phone lines are open, 403-974-8255. I'm going to chat a little bit about what you need to do at this time of year. Um, a little bit of maintenance going into, into winter. Um, putting away hoses, things like that. So I'll try and touch on a few of those things. And I've had a few questions, and and maybe you guys can all help me out with this, is what do you find the best way to store your veggies or your potatoes or carrots, things that you've gardened and harvested this season? How, what do you do with it all? Maybe um, help help us, help the listeners, help myself, and let us know how you store your your veggies with the best results because you don't want to see it go to waste. You're able to to do all that hard work and uh, nothing worse than where you think you have a a nice bag full of potatoes. You go down and and they're a little moldy or shoots all over the place. So hey, let us know the best ways of storing some of that stuff. Share with us what what has worked for you in the past. And uh, typically what you do, I know my mom used to do tons of canning. Um, that was always nice. I miss that now, like the pears and like jars and jars of peaches and all that kind of stuff, beans. She would, she would can most stuff. We didn't have a cold storage. So my mom was a big canner. So anyways, let us know what you, what you guys do with, with all that kind of stuff. And uh, still time, I know there's some of the garden centers still have a bit of stuff left. And and some pretty good deals right now. So if you are looking to pop in a few trees, I know we still have a couple of things scheduled to get planted. And we had a big planting job that we just finished up um, at a commercial site. We just planted uh, 150 trees um, out at a Northeast Mall. So that was uh, really quite a good project. And uh, that went well. We got her all done before the weather hit. And then the snow comes in, waters them in well. And... Had our water truck go around, water those in. So same thing, if you have planted anything this coming week, great time to do this last watering on the next couple of days where it's going to be it's a little bit warm so we can still get a little bit of water into ground before it freezes up and able to get those plants into wintertime and get ready to, to, to hibernate and sleep and to stay frozen all winter. And uh, important thing for... For especially newly planted trees, for all your trees, but newly planted ones. And this time of year, I always like to wash off any of my evergreens too, just before winter. And then the water soaks in, just hose off all the needles, things like that. And then uh, that usually puts them to bed nicely. 
um, going into winter. We're going to take a quick break. And again, if you'd like to join me after the break, phone lines are wide open. Talk and text 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening and Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, your year-round full-service garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And one thing we got you covered in, we're starting to, we're flipping the store over. It's going to become a a tropical Christmas wonderland. And uh, it's always a nice time of year. And uh, just flipping it all over, getting all the Christmas decor out. And it's going to be a little different this year, kind of mixed all through the store. So looking forward to that. Suzanne has a plan. I think that it changes every five seconds in her mind, but she always makes it look so awesome. So she <laughs> bounces around the store at this time of year, and uh, and it's going to look awesome, as it always does. So looking forward to that. Um, we'll be getting our greens and and things like that all in. The fresh greens will be in sort of mid-November. And then also our Christmas trees, again, doing the Western Canadian um, Douglas fir and gorgeous trees they will be in just right after the week of the 23rd of november so can't believe we're already talking about that and but it's really only three or four weeks away and uh and be going into that season then also uh, planning our our santa event where we have uh, santa and real reindeer down at the garden center that's always a, a huge hit with all the kids, we get Santa flies down, brings his reindeer, reindeer in with them, and uh, and uh, probably the only site in town where you can get Santa and the reindeer all in one shot. So, and we have that event going up, and also the Greenhouse Crew has got quite a few classes getting lined up for the Christmas season. We're going to do the gnome building, a couple of arrangements, wreaths, and uh, quite a few classes planned for this coming fall. Um, so look forward to seeing that happen. But right now we got, we're going to go to the phone line. And if you'd like to join me, phone lines are open, 403-974-8255. We got Pat online. Good morning, Pat. Good morning. How can we help you? Well, um, I have a ponytail palm tree that has okay. gotten quite spindly and tall. And I would like to cut them off and... Uh, encourage them to grow again from the bottom. I can yeah. see where it's happened before, um, <clears throat> and I did take, it was three stems, and I did take one off uh, two years ago, but nothing happened to the bottom part of the stem. So I'm wondering if there's a way to encourage it because I do. Was have it to was it a healthy stem like when you cut it? Yeah. Okay. Cause, yeah, usually because you'll see where all the lines are on them, like where the leaves used to be, yeah. um, and typically wherever you cut those. Usually, just below that, it'll send out three or four new ones in in a spot. Um, once in a while, I've seen where they don't, but typically, they always they usually always do. Um, okay. So I'm not too sure why why yours wouldn't. Um, and you're talking the ponytail, so it has a pretty wide base, and then it goes into a narrow trunk type thing. Um, it's pretty narrow the whole way up, actually. It doesn't seem to get wider or thinner. Do you thinner. have a wide base, like where it comes out of the pot? Is there a great big, like a big lump that sticks out and then goes into a trunk? Um, a minute. I'm going to go look. 
Yeah, you should have sort of like it should stick out of the ground. It sort of looks like a big, like it's a, a little bit wider. I would say it's twice as wide as the stems are. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And there, that's, there are that's... three prongs, three things coming up, three stems coming up. Two of them have gotten too tall and need to come off. I did cut one off of the three that were there. It did not send a shoot out. And you can see where one of the two remaining ones, about a foot off the pot, has been cut before, and one came out the side. But that yeah, one now. How needs... tall is it right now? It's about seven feet tall. Oh, really? That's big for those. Um, yeah, it's starting yeah, to get Yeah, so you should. In. Yeah, like typically with any of those Dracaena type plants like that, like any of the yuccas or Dracaena marginetta or the ponytail palms, typically you're able to cut them. And just on the stem, do a nice, good, sharp cut. And typically, they'll just they'll sprout out two or three at that same spot and sort of regrow from that from that area. Um, so okay. typically, you got to pick a height that you kind of want it, but then go a little bit lower because you got to hopefully expect that it's going to send out new ones and then start growing again from that height. Okay. And okay, there's just one stem coming up the center. There are three stems coming up from the bottom. Okay, the bottom you, you might it might be a dragon tree. I, I'm just wondering if that's a Dracaena marginetta. Um, does it? Do the leaves have kind of a red tinge on the edges? No, it's all nope. green and all green. Um, yeah, and it sort oh, of it, does it, it actually so does have it does have a very slight uh, red tinge to the outside of the green leaves, but it is a dark green looking plant. Yeah, so I think you might have a dragon tree, a Dracaena marginetta. Because the, okay. the ponytail palm is, uh, it kind of has like a big reservoir of water, almost looks like at the bottom. And it sort of comes up and sort of like a funnel shape. Like it looks like an upside down funnel sitting yes, in the I soil. And then it, <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. So then you have, a, it's a Dracaena marginata. So that's, those ones are even easier usually. You can just pick a wow. spot and just cut it sort of whatever height you want it. And, and you just do a nice cut, straight you just cut. straight through. Yep, just straight through, just okay. either good pruners or a nice sharp knife. Okay. Um, and just, just cut it down, like at, uh, if you want that two feet, and then expect that you're going to get two or three coming out the top. So just when you okay. do it, has it been transplanted or anything lately? Or nope. Nope. Okay. It's in a good Does it maybe look like it could use it? Like a, if you haven't given any nourishment as, as well, so you might want to look at possibly repotting at the same time. And okay. then that way it kind of gets at roots, it kind of re regrows, and it has some nourishment to that. Or if you figure the soil and that feels like it's in a good-sized pot already, I would just encourage to give it a like a, either a Rage Plus or 20-20-20 fertilizer, um, okay. even just when you when you do it. Just and kind of do that once a month, give it a shot of 20-20-20, and, uh, okay. and lots of light. As much light as you can get that in, and oh, uh, okay. and then it should be fine. It should just send you out some new growth. And I know a lot of people have even taken some of the top ones, and you could um, put those into water, and they will reroot for you as well. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Is that does that help? Yes, it does. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And then so you have a dragon tree, uh, Dracaena marginetta. Okay, now I know what awesome. it is. <laughs> there you <laughs> Thank go. You. All right, thanks. Okay, yeah, bye-bye. Take care, Pat. Bye-bye. Yeah, so many of those plants, and uh, but typically there's five or six that 
that uh, typically end up in our homes that seem to do well. And a lot of those plants are coming back into flavor again, which is good because they're good, durable, they're good, hardy houseplants and, and they do well. And the dragon tree is definitely one of them. And it comes in a few different colors, a green, variegated, um, great plant, great plant even to put outside in your summer pots. It can give you that uh, tropical feel out in your pots. And then you can also bring it back inside um, for the winter time when you're done and uh, have petunias that grown underneath it. Um, great plant. Anyways, let's go to Ben. Good morning, Ben. Hi, good morning. Good morning. How can I help you? Uh, I have a couple house plants that have some white mold on the surface of the soil. Okay. I'm wondering what would be a good way to kill it without having to repot the plant. Um, the best way, like for, and it, is it just look like mold sitting on top? Yes. Okay, I would just pick that off. Okay. Like and and then just and then just, um, agitate the soil a bit, like just cultivate the soil, sort of like so I'd pull out any of the moldy stuff. And then I'd just put a run a fork or a chopstick or something through the top of the soil just to get some aeration to loosen it up. Okay. And are you getting lots of those little black flies? No, no black flies. Okay, which is good. I just want to make sure it's not spider mite, but typically when you get mold grown, there was probably some sort of organic matter that was in the soil, like maybe a piece of bark or, or something was in the soil, and then it's just attached maybe got a little bit moist and then typically the mold or something would have grown on there okay um it would pure spray green also work yeah you could definitely give it a drenching of pure spray green but i would definitely do this first i would okay. do the cleanup of the soil first um run the like i said a chopstick or something through the top of the soil just to loosen it up a bit a little bit of aeration and then absolutely, if you wanted to give it a, a soil drench of pure spray green, that would definitely work. And and just watch your watch your watering. Just ensure that you're letting it dry out in between waterings. Right. And what type of plant was it again, sorry? Uh, I have a pluperia and a hibiscus. Okay. Yeah, so just watch the, watch the moisture levels on those. And your hibiscus, if you're feeding it with 30-10-10, that should be a good fertilizer for that one. So... Okay. Alrighty. Perfect. Thank you very much. All right. Take care. Thanks, Pat. Or Ben, sorry. All right. Well, and at this time of year, we will be getting that. And I do have a new product <clears throat> coming into the store. And uh, it helps, for instance, like this, where it dries. It'll help dry out the soil. And it also eliminates those little fungus gnats. So um, I'm just testing it still. Um, so I'm hoping to have it in the store within the next couple of weeks. So um, stay tuned for that, and I'll definitely be mentioning it here on the show when we do have it. I just want to make sure it's doing what uh, we were told it does, and uh, so far it's been great. And I just got to do a little bit more testing, and uh, we should be able to have that because it is a big problem. We continue to water the plants the same way we typically would do it all the way through the summer. And then we just got to make sure we slow down going into winter because our days change quite a bit um, in the length and the heat. And it is time to take a quick break. 
And if you join me after the break, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs. And if you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. And uh, be happy to take your calls or texts. Um, Terry was unable to join me today. He has just... Uh, taking the day off and uh, doing some things. And so good good luck to him on that. And if, again, if you'd like to join me, phone line's wide open, 403-974-8255. Hi, Merrill, would you speak about those damn fruit flies on indoor? Love your show. Makes my Sunday morning, Burl. Actually, and Burl spells her name or her his name like... I spell mine, M-E-R-Y-L. So there you go. Anyways, those fruit flies are nasty. And that was goes along with what I was talking about earlier is it's changing our water habits um, from summer to winter. And really, you probably could cut them at least in half um, for the most part. Because our days go um, really quite long where the sun's up at 6 in the morning and doesn't go down till 10, 11 at night to at this time of year where it doesn't get up till seven and it's going down at five. So five or six. So, um, and, and it's just way different intensity. So it's really at this time of year is when people continue to water just because it's Tuesday and, and water the same, same way all the time. So please, um, yeah, just the rule of thumb is I always try to keep it pretty simple. Um, when it's dry, water it, and if it's wet, don't, and uh, let them dry in between watering. And and just because you have a cactus or a sense of area or some of those, doesn't mean you have to leave it for three months either. Um, it, can some of them go that long without water? Absolutely. But it doesn't mean they need to go that long. Um, some of us could go a couple days without eating, but it doesn't mean you want to get kind of hangry, hangry at that point. So please um, um, just monitor your watering, and that's the biggest way. And uh, in some of the bigger pots, it's a little bit hard. Um, and, and looking at them of when they need water. Um, moisture meters are a good thing for if you have some bigger tropical plants, um, making sure because the top will dry out. It might be really wet still below. And uh, so that's just a way of doing it. And we do have a product that we sell. It's called the Mosquito Dunk. And we have the directions where you put uh, the mosquito dunk. It looks like a little mini hockey puck sort of thing. It's in the shape of a puck anyways. And put that into your water can. And you're making like a tea. Um, and it's it, it kills the larvae of mosquitoes. But it also kills the larvae of the fungus gnat. So you can use that to water in your plants. And it gets rid of all the fungus gnats at the surface by killing all the eggs. and uh, and gets rid of them that way. So great success using that product. And we have them in just one pellet packages with the directions on them in the store. So please, um, if you need that, and we are testing this new other new product that uh, you sprinkle it on the top of your soil and it helps dry out uh, and shoes with compost bins as well. But it, uh, It'll be interesting to see. Hopefully it does what it says and uh, get rid of the fruit flies 
and without, and it just sort of works its way into the soil and composts um, after it's done all its work. So kind of interested, interested to see how that one works out here um, because it's one of the, one of the top five problems I get phone calls for. So anyways, and we got a caller on the line. We're going to go to John. Good morning, John. Well, good morning down there. How are you doing, John? Not too bad. Yourself? I'm actually really good. You know, um, feeling good. Had a great season. Nice and busy. Weather was good. So really, um, not not a lot to complain about. So just getting ready for the next one, and uh, just ordered a couple of big containers of pots from Vietnam. So we got our pottery getting lined up for next year because a lot of that stuff is six months in advance. So. Our team's just working hard, getting ready for next year. Sounds <laughs> like you're coming along pretty good then. Yeah, yes. no, it's been good. It's been good. <laughs> yes. Now, my question was, uh, I was going to phone about snow farming, but you already covered that on your first uh, first five yep. minutes, I think. But uh, does that do any damage to the sod underneath? Not at all. No? Um, if, you, if you leave it on and it gets packed down, it can cause that snow mold or and yeah. winter kill that way but for the most part it's great for for sod and all that it um it it just waters in and it just when it, if you if you drive over top or if it's on a walkway where people walk on the snow and just pack it into it it can cause uh winter kill that way but for the most part no leaving sod on your saw or snow on the sod is great but okay if you can keeps it frozen as well right especially if it's newly planted sod it just keeps it moist over the winter, just like for the rest of the plants. But definitely the first couple of snowfalls, it's nice to throw that extra snow underneath your spruce trees, your junipers, along your shrub bed, things like that, and uh, be good to go. It so. sure helped mine uh, this spring. I'll tell you, I had <laughs> about three feet of it underneath there. And it, yeah, uh, it, it really, well, the trees just showed it beautiful. Yeah, I, I have a feeling. I'm not too sure. I always I thought this past year we had quite a large winter snowpack, yeah. and I thought earlier in the season, like in early early spring, they were worried about being too much water and flooding. I just wonder if they let too much water out of the reservoirs, and uh, and hence that why a lot of that is a lot lower this year. Obviously, it was drier too, but. It seemed that they uh, were pretty proactive on draining out some of the reservoir, worried about the the floods coming. I just wonder if they may be under, overestimated. Uh, yes, over the uh, Mother Nature. Yeah, and they uh, they seem to release, because I know that that was a big whirly early in the spring, and then uh, and then I think maybe they opened the tap a little too much. But, right. but hey, damned if you do, damned if you don't, probably on one of those ones. That's so right. I, now, I definitely wouldn't want to be making that decision either. So, what about uh, I have garden boxes, you know. Uh, yeah, I covered one box, but I wonder too much snow on there or no? I... You can't really. No, they're fine too. Like I, again, I like to leave them a bit lumpy um, in the winter. Um, just turn up the soil, leave it a little bit lumpy so it can air it out. And typically, if I'm growing in boxes, I dig out. And actually, this year I didn't do it. My wife did all that. She dug out all the old roots, and uh, and got the soil. So it's just going to sit for winter, and then we'll top it up in the spring. Typically, remove the top twenty five percent sort of thing, 
and with all the roots and then put that into other areas and then and put tops and put top it up with fresh potting soil for the new season coming up so can i replenish that with your uh is it sea soil absolutely the sea soil is great any of the garden mixes uh john work really good and depending on what you're growing if you're growing more of the root crops i would tend to go with a three-in-one a bit more of a soil than the soilless mix per se um, but if you're doing tomatoes and all that stuff the soilless mix is great for those so yeah well i have a, you know basically roots and uh the uh, snap peas the and tomatoes yeah. Yeah. So any of that, yeah, on the on ones where you're doing the tomatoes, you can go a little bit more of the of the soilless mix, like the potting soil, and then where you're growing your root crops and that, I would go more of the three-in-one or the sea soil, where it's a little bit heavier, um, a little bit more substance to it, and uh, and then that should do really well, John. Holds the water better? Yeah, and it just, it doesn't heat up as much, you know, so... Um, that way the root, the root crops can just, they have a little bit more, um, substance to grab onto, I guess is what I like to say. And, and not that you can't grow them in the soilless mix. I just find that, um, it dries out and gets too hot a lot of times for some of the potatoes and certain beets and things that in the, in the full soilless mix. So I just, I kind of like to slow it down a little bit with, with a little bit of our good, we have such really nice soil here in Alberta. So we're, 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 we're really quite fortunate that way, right? Yes. So. Okay, well, thank you for all, all right. that. Have a great one. All right, time. well, thanks, Sean. Have yeah. a great one and hope to see you maybe over the Christmas season. Come down for a visit. One never knows. All right, <laughs> take care, John. Thanks, thank thanks, you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, we got to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. And they might be cold as ice up in Edmonton today, or at least are both the teams have been playing cold as ice. <laughs> so hopefully um, they can both come out of the slumps a little bit and uh, put on a bit of a game for us to see this afternoon. So, so the Flames and the Oilers um, and the old Heritage Classic. I went to the last one. It was in Regina, I believe. And... Uh, it was beautiful the day before, and then the day of the game, it got so cold. It was the old uh, Saskatchewan wind was blowing through that stadium there in Regina. Man, it was cold. So, anyways, it didn't sound like it seemed like that. Sounds like they're going to have a great day up there. So, hopefully, uh, the Flames and the Oilers can uh, put on a game. So, enjoy that later. And our Stamps made the playoffs. So, there you go. A little bit of uh, a little bit of sports mixed in here and there. Um, I got a couple of texts here. And again, if you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. If you'd like to join me, that is the talk and text. Got a text here from Jerry. He says, good morning, Merle. We have had three large spruce trees removed and are getting the stumps ground. What sort of prep is required to put the area back to grass, um, Jerry? So what I would do is try and remove... Um, I get all the stumps ground and then also the side roots. So it might be a bit more to it. I get the big ones removed and then you might want to even look at if you have machine access is get in and do it like a full root removal where they come in with a machine, dig out the root system 
and just replenish the soil because it's going to be very depleted and it's going to be hard because you're going to have lumps. The roots, typically on the bigger spruce trees, all the roots are along the top surface or about four to six inches down. So they're not, uh, they're not that deep. So what I would do is typically get either a, a backhoe or a bobcat in there or a, some sort of machine get in and remove the root system and remove maybe the top six inches of, of soil that's there. It'll be full of needles and, and everything. So it, it'll be really depleted of any kind of nourishment. So I would uh, get that and then I'd haul in some good garden loam after that. Um, pack it down nice, and uh, then you're going to be ready to go for sod um, the next year, next spring. But that that would be what I would recommend. You could try to, if you have the ability to to put six, eight inches on top of the area, that would be okay as well um, after, you, after you grind the stumps out of there. But if you can't, it just ends up being a losing battle if you're trying to just do it over top with just a couple inches, your, your grass will always dry out really quickly. It'll, it just, you won't be happy with it. So unfortunately I would probably do it that way. And, and, and then that would, uh, it's a bit more work, but your results at the end of the day are going to be a much nicer. And then you're going to end up with a great, uh, great looking lawn. And don't forget at that point, when you're doing that, using our greened up lawn fertilizer will help get those roots in and help get yourself the greenest grass on the block and it really it really does work and if you haven't done your last one still um still time if you want to do an application here this week when it's warm most of that snow i believe will melt in that day and uh great time to throw a little fertilizer on the grass even into your shrub beds and and that way it's there first thing in the spring and for all your plants when they're ready to go yeah, they always think this time of year, is there any gardening to do? There's still lots to do, many broken branches, things like that, and and going in, pruning dead, damaged disease, looking up some of the higher stuff if you need to um, remove any of that, calling in an arborist to have a look at that, and and just, just check them out, try to get an ISA certified guy, um, and not and a good pruning job. A lot of times you you won't be able to you'll be able to tell if you really if you're looking at the plant. Um, but if you're looking to get like a major haircut, a lot of the good pruning companies won't do that. Won't come in and just hack a third off the top of your plant because you really don't want to do that for the most part. And and I've seen it done, and it just creates a lot of work for after you get tons of suckering coming up. And I was seeing a post of an arborist there last week and they had cut this tree back really majorly and it was in the front yard and it just it doesn't make sense because it's really just going to come back and grow to the same height but with a lot less structure and a lot more pruning i guess it creates more work for the pruning company because he's going to have to come in three or four more times to cut out all the suckers and all the water sprouts and that at the time so Anyways, I would uh, try to avoid that. Removing dead, damaged, disease, good structure pruning um, is a great way of doing it. And uh, next two weeks, our printed up crew are going to be doing. We were part of uh, we it's a Canadian Arborist Training um, course that a large portion of our team are taking 
in the first week of November. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. And that it's with an instructor at Olds College. He comes and works with our crew for a week. And uh, we do lots of training, safety training, climbing, rigging, all that kind of fun stuff. So it should be interesting and, and uh, more knowledge for our team. We do use a winter time for a bit of a training on some of the openings when we have a bit of time to do that. So looking forward to, to getting our team some, some training. And the more they know, the better they get. And that's kind of what we're hoping for when they're doing that. We better take a quick break. And if you'd like to join me, phone lines are open, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. All right. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coombs. And again, if you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide, open, 403-974-8255. I do have a couple texts that I will go to and uh, answer some questions that way. But... If you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. And here's one from Richard, and he's in Lethbridge. Um, good morning, Merle. Uh, love coffee with you on Sunday mornings. I'm having a coffee as well, so cheers, Richard. And uh, I saved my birchwood ash from last winter, and I'm thinking of applying it to the lawn. Good idea or no? I don't know if it even really what it would do. I I think I'd maybe I would sprinkle it more into my shrub beds or if you have a compost pile, things like that. But just putting it right on the lawn, um, I I it probably wouldn't hurt. But I I just I think I'd you're better off using it more in the soil and and if you want to top dress, um, I would mix it into if you get a pile of a, existing loam. And then mix it into the loam, and then put it onto the onto the grass. But uh, I think then you then you have a little bit more control. You know exactly what's going on there, and I don't I don't see a whole big benefit of it, and I don't think it's really going to do any harm either. So I I just think it gets more benefit going right into the soil, and then if you want to top dress your lawn, that's going to give you a more result. Just putting ash on the lawn, I don't think it's going to give a whole lot of um, results of any kind of uh, tangible results that you'll see and say, wow, look at those, what I did with those ashes. But that's my my thoughts on that. Um, so, and uh, yeah, give that a try. Hopefully that does help. And here I got another um, call or a text here. Merle, how do I overwinter my mandevilla and hibiscus that are in pots? They're in a heated garage. Those ones I would bring inside like a houseplant. Um, lots of um, hibiscus and, and mandevillas are definitely more of a houseplant. So I would just move them inside, check them for spider mites or any of that stuff. Um, give them a spray of pure spray green or our bug X, the permethrin, and, and then transplant them. I just bring them in the house and enjoy, put them into the sunniest spot. I know Chris from our tree lot and uh, Green It Up team, she brought uh, her on Mandevillas enough from her place and, and brought them in. Um, I had a couple of hibiscus. I kind of missed um, the boat. They got a little bit too much frost um, before I dug them out. But by all means, I, that's all I would do is bring them and treat them like houseplants and, and then put them back out in the spring. And we got to take a quick break for the news here. 
Uh, phone lines will be wide open after the break, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs. Phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. I do have a few texts, but we do definitely have spots open on the phone lines if you'd like to join. And here I have a couple of texts that I will go through. Hi, I like the show. Well, thank you for that. Appreciate it. I have a smaller apple tree where it looks like the deer have been chewing off the bark and a few branches. Anything I should do? Yes, um, a product um, called Bobex works really quite well as a as a deterrent from chewing. Um, but if you are getting a deer coming into your neighborhood and they do love apple trees, I would look at uh, pounding three stakes into the ground a couple, three or four feet out from the apple tree and put up some either stucco wire, four to five foot high wire around the tree um, as well. Um, the Bobex works quite well and, and you can try that and see how that goes. But if, it, if they are pretty determined to get at it, they might go right through it and, uh, and go at it. So that's where the wire definitely makes a big difference. And where they've chewed off any of the branches, I would just do a fresh cut and 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 cut back into the branch where they chewed it off because they probably just broke it off and the cut isn't very clean. So I do a nice clean cut. And then if it's on the trunk, I would get myself a a sharp exacto knife and just clean up the wound. I go around the outside of the wound and just do a nice straight cut all the way around, peel off the chewed up bark. And then we have a product called Lac Balsam, L-A-C-B-A-L-S-A-M. And it's a bark replacement. It's a breathable bark replacement. And I definitely wouldn't use like pruning paste or any of that kind of stuff. It, it just more suffocates and does let it to heal. This will let the tree heal and breathe underneath there. And, and it actually works quite well. And with an apple, you might even want to get some copper spray mix a little bit of it with water and just spread it on there first and let it dry before you put on the lac balsam. It's a fungicide um, just to ensure that it seals up properly underneath there because the, the apples are fairly um, open to some of the diseases and the, the copper spray will help against that. Um, so you can try that. And, uh, yeah, they're nasty. We had deer roaming through our neighborhood the other day, too. All the cedars in my area, little cul-de-sac, all kind of chewed like four to five feet up where the, cedar, where the deer come in and chew the cedars. They love cedars. They love apple trees. And uh, so wire works best. Like we do carry the deer um, netting, and we do have the large wood stakes that you can get. You can get a kit. And you put it around uh, your trees for the winter time, and then pull it. Because they tend to stay out of the neighborhoods in the summer. Um, they will come, but in the winter, they definitely love coming more into the yards and do lots of chewing. So, Pierce or uh, Bobex or and wire. But to solve that, definitely cleaning up the wound with the lac balsam will help um, heal that up, so it can be good for the winter. And I got another question about a raspberries. Should I cut back my two raspberry bushes now or leave till spring? Um, and hydrangeas. Hydrangeas, Diane, definitely leave until spring. 
and uh and and then when they sprout out you'll see what they'll do and then you just prune them back at that time raspberries you want to prune back the old wood in the winter time so any of the gray wood when you're looking in there you should see two colors first and second year wood any of the gray wood should be cut out over the winter and then leave the the brown because that is the newer wood and then that's typically where you get a lot more of your fruit on there so i would uh you can do that you can wait um a while till um february march something like that to do that or if you want to do it now is totally fine and uh and really you're just cutting out the the second the two-year-old wood and leaving the the first year wood and uh that should make it all the difference in creating a nice strawberry or raspberry patch for you. Love raspberries, and uh, they do well here. That's one of the fruit that will uh, um, they they seem to flourish really quite well. And a lot of people grow them in the back alleys, so it's always that's always interesting. And I got a quick text here. It says hi, Merle. I'm curious about the overwinter care for this Mexican blueberry plant. Do I let it go dormant? Keep it in a sunny window. I grew it from seed and it had two seasons, but it hasn't bloomed yet. Wow, that's pretty awesome. Typically, uh, a lot of those, the Mexican blueberry plant, and I'm not 100% familiar with it, what zone it is, but let me do a quick little check on it. Typically, a lot of the blueberries in that, they do need to go dormant, and and I would let them winter down and then cool off into a unheated garage you could try that um and see what it would do let me see here uh, they're not a true actually what it says it's not a true um, blueberry it's actually a fuchsia plant that produces an abundance of small edible fruits that are somewhat similar to blueberries huh yeah because after your fuchsias bloom you will see that they have a um, a little berry um, underneath where the blooms were. So that is what they're calling a Mexican blueberry. So I don't even think it'll winter here. Um, it wouldn't be hardy in this area. They're grown in Mexico, so I think using it as a as a house plant is is that. So I, I really don't know on that one. It doesn't look like it would be hardy in this zone, but you could give it a try because um, I know some of the plants do go into um, into hibernation and dormancy in Mexico as well, just like down in Florida and, and, and California and things like that. So, uh, But I'll, I'll do a little bit more research throughout the show, and if I find any more answers, I will definitely let you know. But from what I'm reading, I think what you got going there is it seems to be going good. So you might want to feed it like a 15, 30, 15, it looks really, really quite healthy. It seems to be doing quite well. Um, but I would ensure that it's getting some phosphate into it. So I would use the 15, 30, 15 and, and see what happens there. And then that should definitely make a big difference. All right. And someone is looking to sell some uh, Monstera. So keep an eye out on Kijiji. You know, might see some monsters coming up for sale. All right, let's, ooh, and I always enjoy uh, Graham Bond. I know he shares a lot of his pictures uh, through some of the media outlets here in Calgary, and uh, and he shares them with me as well. Um, good morning, Merle, walking through Griffiths Woods 
this morning listening to you. Nothing to ask, but lots to learn. <laughs> hey, thanks for that. I appreciate it. He always has the best pictures. Like he just sent one of uh, of a creek going through there, and I think he's right on the boarding the to see the nation there. Beautiful spot. I'm walking through there, and he always is able to capture. He has an eye for that, able to capture. I always see a few of his pictures on the morning show on Global. Um, he likes to share them on there with the ladies in the morning. So, anyways, thanks for sharing with that again. And here's another one. And actually, what we'll do is actually we'll take a quick break and we'll get back to a few more texts and then also hopefully a couple calls. Phone lines are open 403 974 8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening and us. Us bad gardeners is a good song for us. We're all bad at the bone in the garden out there doing what we do, digging digging down into the dirt, and always good. Feels good. Good for the soul, I always think, um, doing a little gardening. And we're going to go to the phone line. We're going to go to Al. Good morning, Al. How are you, Merle? Doing great. How can we help you today? Good. I thought I'd give you a help out on the phone line here. So anyway, I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, this year, I had a really good crop of tomatoes in the uh, in my pot. See, yeah. And we're out. Uh, I'm out a fair ways west of you, so we're higher up. So about three weeks ago, the temperature at nights were going down below zero quite a bit. So I, yeah. I pulled those uh, tomatoes into my garage and it's heated and uh, I can't believe it I'm still going to be eating tomatoes as they're ripening coming into November oh yeah no absolutely it's uh and they're actually tomatoes are very hardy like if they're like they can go down to really close to zero and and if you if you've done what you've done definitely they can keep going you can even just cut them back a bit, and if they're getting the sunshine, um, Al, they'll just they'll keep producing for you. Like that's great if you if you have some heat, even if you want to add a bit of a grow light in there, um, they would continue to grow for you. And uh, as long as they're getting some sunshine and that little bit of warmth, and like I said, those cool mornings are it's just so good for the taste of those tomatoes as well. Like it just the sugar level goes through the roof. Yeah, so. I do that in the summer when I'm up. I'm always up early, anyways. But uh, they lose a bit of their taste because of being in the garage in the with warmth. But yeah, yeah, they they definitely yeah they it's because it's a different heat, right? So they yeah. they do love the airflow. So on those days where you can um, turn the furnace off and just uh, if it's getting close to the zero, um, they're they're good with that as well. So. But, yeah, no, why not extend it, right? You brought them through the whole season. If you can get a couple more weeks out of them, and uh, that's awesome. So good and to hear. What I do on the higher-up ones when the tomatoes are ripe and everything and there's no more green ones, I take that part of the stock off and everything. So they're just steadily getting shorter. Yeah, no, no, perfect. Yeah, no, and then uh, just slowly be done and – and get ready for next season. 
Yeah, I was very yeah. surprised. I didn't know. It was, uh, it was such a good season. But yeah, tomatoes are very resilient. So, no, it, it's good when you do that. It's similar, like people, if they have the tropical plants that they put in their planters, you bring them inside. But tomatoes are very resilient. Like they're, they transplant really quite easily and pop them in and out of pots and, and tomatoes. Um, like I said, a very, very resilient plant and, um, they want to live almost no matter where we want to put them. So, all right. Well, that, that's great to hear Al. Thanks for sharing that. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Take care, bud. All right. Again, if you'd like to call, phone lines are open 403-974-8255. And I will do, I guess we got one more call. We can go to Stan. Good morning, Stan. You hear my voice. I mean, my, my name mentioned. Hey, there's a fella. I think his name is Richard. He phoned about yep. adding wood ash to his grass. Yeah. Yeah, he had some birch ash left over from from the fire pit for the yeah. summertime, and is just wondering adding that to Listen, the lawn. From what I remember, that is called potash. That's actually the the third yeah. nutrient and fertilizer because it's the burnt ash in the pots from olden days, and they analyze it, and it's actual potash. So whatever potash does in the, in the third value of fertilizer, I'm, I can't remember, that's all it would do for the lawn. What does yeah. potash do? It, it It's more of a, like the end number is sort of your all around, it's sort of like your your, your all-purse vitamin, right? Okay. Um, so it, so it, it's, it contains potassium. Yeah. And it's a, it's a plant nutrient, um, helps with the flowering. Um, I just, I just think, and depending on the wood and, and how it was burnt and stuff, depending on what's left in it, right? There might not be a whole lot left. So that's what I mean. If, I think mixing it in with your soil is, is uh, I think you're going to get more out of it, that's all. But I, I, it's definitely not going to hurt it. I just don't want to have too much of it just at one time, like dumped on the grass. So, so that would awesome. be my thought is to mix it in um, with your soil and, and add it in there and it's going to be great. I, I add it to everything I plant, like tomatoes. Uh, yeah. In in my rows, if I'm going to do uh, carrots or anything, I mix it with the soil. So I think it's a valuable additive because it is actually potash. Oh, no, absolutely. No. Yeah. Anyway, no. It's a it's a good. Uh, it, it's all mixed in, right? It's all those elements that we have in our soils. So I think it's a it's definitely a valuable component. You can even um, put it into compost, you know, and mix it in. Yeah, you that's know, what you yeah. container. Yeah, anyway. and that's where I think it's going to add more to that and balance out your soil more than just dumping it straight onto the. But that would be. It, it, no, it, you're it, right. It's a good. Yeah, it's a, and it's also a source of lime, so it, it is good. Like it's just, I always worry about just dumping something straight onto it. Like it just, um, so the lightly scattered or what does that do? I think making a nice soil better. Like you're okay. doing, you're adding it into your in your soil pots and things like that. I think you're going to get a lot more benefit um, from that than just uh, sprinkling it on straight. So yeah, there's not much fruit on the lawn, is there? No, no, but it does need those end numbers, right? Like that's like ours. Ours is eighteen twenty eight eight. Oh, like okay. our fertilizer, right? Yeah, we're one of the and so it 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 definitely it gives it the durability. It gives it the helps with the roots. 
and and just helps with a good sturdy balanced fertilizer into the soil because as good as our soil is it is heavy clay content and there's not a lot of nourishment sometimes in our soil yep. and it gets depleted fairly quickly that's why we need to feed our lawns three times a year because our our grass is it's a heavy feeding um plant so okay thank you all right take care all right and if you'd like to join me, phone lines are open, 403-974-8255. And where are we at for time? We're almost getting close to where I need to take a break. And I'm just reading one more thing about uh, in, the, in, the, in the lawn. Fire, fire pit ash can help neutralize pH levels So as well. So anyways, I don't, I don't think it's ever going to hurt it. But adding it to to your soil or to your grass and then to the grass or into your into your pots like Stan does, I think um, that's a great way of uh, of utilizing um, some of your rather than just throw it into the garbage bin. You might as well do that and uh, you'd be good to go. All right, and actually Diane just shared a a video talking about deer. She has a deer cruising through her neighborhood, so. Um, and munching on a hedge, and they do love that. All right. Hello, my name is Barry. I have an above-ground vegetable garden. The potatoes have very rough skins. I plant red Pontiacs. Most of the soil is composted cow manure. Do you have any? <clears throat> and that is the main reason why, um, Barry, unfortunately, um, if you have a heavy compost, heavy manure soil, um, it definitely causes a lot more of the scabby on your potatoes. So I would dilute it. I would just add some of the three-in-one mix if it's into raised beds. Try and break that down a bit more um, if you can split that compost up and add some just regular potting soil or like a three-in-one mix where it has the soil mixed in and compost in there or just straight garden loam if you're growing potatoes and that. If you just get a nice... Uh, Get, if you just get some discreamed loam and add that into your raised beds, berry, I think that would make a big difference and you'll see a lot less scabbing. Just, it's too rich and it uh, that's what will cause a lot of that scabbing on your potatoes, unfortunately. And that's one of those ones where you're you're killing them with kindness in, in, a, in a roundabout way. Anyways, um. Where am I at? I'm going to talk a little bit. We talked about putting hoses away. We will talk about winterizing our yard here in the next break after this. And I'm probably going to take a quick break for the news here. If you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open after that, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Start Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, your year-round full-service garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And uh, we've had a great gardening season, and it is definitely winding down here. But still lots to do in the garden. Um, a couple things that I always like to do is put away the hoses. And I always keep a couple, just shorter ones out um, for just filling buckets up or doing the odd chore if you have something to keep it out handy. Um, but I have a hose reel, 
and been able to keep it in pretty good shape. So I drain it all out, make sure it drained out for the water and stuff for the winter time. And so that way the plastic components don't break up and able to keep it uh, um, healthy. So it's not spraying everywhere with little cracks as when the water freezes, it does expand. So um, just draining all your hoses, um, lifting them up, rolling them up into put them away in a nice spot, um, gathering all your tools, clean your pruners, get a little SOS pad out, clean all the blades, um, get a sharpening stone and uh, sharpen, get your tools nice and sharp for next spring. Um, it's just nice to do it over the winter when you have a bit of time, you're sitting around, if you're even just listening to the gardening show, um, get your tools out, clean them up while you're sitting there and uh, getting them ready for next year is uh, is always a good thing. And ensuring that you've obviously blown out your irrigation system and turn the outside water to your taps off, um, things like that. And it's just, uh, and, and where does the eave trough go? And those are always things that make sure they're put down for the winter or if you get rid of the downspouts. Just doing all those little winter things, cleaning out the eave troughs over the winter so they're not overflowing with ice. I know I've had to, with all the needle shed over the last uh, three or four weeks, I got to get back up there one last time. I did it uh, probably a month before they started shedding, and it's probably time to clean them up one more time. I'm assuming they're going to be full, or or they'll definitely be halfway full up <laughs> with with uh, needles again. So going to get up there and clean those out one last time, and uh, and just put everything away for winter. Because you, once you do it, then you you just feel better definitely next spring. And if you have little critters like squirrels and things that putting everything away so they're not getting in there making nest. I had our little guy; he started chewing on my one of my umbrellas. He needed some fabric, and uh, so he was chewing on the umbrella. So pulling those away from those areas, covering them up, and uh, he's decided to go after some of our Halloween decorations and stealing the the black material off of our, our skeletons that are hanging from the tree. So anyways, at least it'll go to some good use, hopefully. And what else do I got going for winter time? Done the fertilizing, emptied the pots. Um, just, just doing all those little winter things now. And, and then again, looking um, through winter, looking for empty spots, what you want to do in your garden for next year. And then, any pruning, dead damage, disease branching, now you'll see a lot of it, especially in your spruce trees, um, a lot of your deciduous trees, you'll be able to see the structure of the plant once the leaves are all gone, if they need thinning out. So it's a great time to do any of that pruning um, through the winter. I know quite a few of the pruning guys shut down for the winter. Our guys, we keep going right through the whole winter. Um, we definitely do a bit of training, but also lots of structure pruning in the winter time because it's it's a it's a great time to do it because you can see everything, you can see what the bark looks like, you can tell what the tree is doing, see where the branches are going, which ones need to get going out. It's a little bit easier. You can do structure pruning obviously in the summer as well. <laughs> it just takes a bit more, and it goes a little quicker in the winter time because we can actually see. Um, by standing back a little bit easier, what needs to come out. And uh, so definitely do pruning all the way through the whole winter. So anyways, I hear John uh, has called back, but let's go to John once again and see what's uh, what's up. Hey, John. Well, 
Well, good morning again. Uh, <laughs> you, you forgot something. <laughs> yeah. Would it be of any advantage to throw a bit of your uh, green it up on the snow when I throw it under the trees? Absolutely. No, it, especially in your perennial beds, John, um, throwing some of the fertilizer in there. Um, oh. And I've had quite a few people calling over the last little while um, having really good success with um, using the green it up lawn fertilizer, like in their perennial beds, because oh. it has the high middle number. So it's great for blooming um, of all your, if you have any of the perennials that are blooming. So it's a great slow release fertilizer for that as well. So absolutely. No, it's good to throw that in for the winter time. It sort of works its way into the ground. So next spring, um, your your trees and shrubs will have uh, food and be ready to go. Absolutely. What about the thirty ten ten or the twenty twenty twenty? Um, those are water soluble. So you really uh, at this time of year, I wouldn't do any fertilizing. It's it is it's unless you want to water it in, but just to throw it on into the snow, no, because you're not getting it mixed properly, right? Correct. Um, so yeah, so those are all water soluble. So I I definitely wouldn't do that. Um, again, I would just wait till spring when it starts to thaw. Um, when you want to give them a good shot of fertilizer, your evergreens in the spring, when we thaw, give them a water and in first and then hit them with the 30, 10, 10, and then for sure. But yeah, just on the slow release granulars at this time of year. Well, I use a lot of your, uh, greened up, so, uh, I'll have to that's get good. another bag. All right. Well, that's good to hear. And hopefully you get nice looking grass there, John. Thank you. Uh, Oh, when's the best time to resaw it? I I want to get that whole front done. I, I I would just do it first thing in the spring, like if you get going in uh, May, sort of yeah, first couple of weeks in May, get it going, and then um, install the sod right about that first of June is perfect. Okay. Yeah, Working talk to on. Conrad. We'll get we'll get you set up. I uh, look forward to that. All right. Thanks. Take care, John. You too. Bye now. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. And that is a good idea. I got to uh, – if you have any questions or ideas of what we can talk about over the winter, because it is um, – I try to get some more guests on over the winter, and and we'll definitely do a bird section. And how about a segment on how to sharpen and clean tools for spring? Absolutely. I'll, I'll definitely do that as well, try and do some of these winter um, projects on air and as best we can and if we need to have some links i can always share the links on our website and then pass them on to you guys and uh, you're able to see um if talking about it didn't make quite sense if you need a bit of visual we can do that as well we're going to take a quick break if you'd like to join us after the break phone lines are open 403-974-8255 you're listening to let's talk gardening on qr calgary Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and we are talking gardening. We're on the last, uh, whatever, 20 minutes of the show, and it is a little bit on the slower side today. I think everyone's laying in bed thinking, oh, it's cold out. We've had snow over the weekend. I'm not sure if I want to talk about gardening, <laughs> and uh, but there's always lots to do, and uh and we are heading into November and uh, and some nice weather coming up here, which we're pretty fortunate. It's going to 
those things can be in the pluses all the way through the first couple of weeks in November down here in Calgary. So um, still time to to add in and do a few little things. I think most of the snow will melt. And then it looks like it's going to be pretty decent. So time to still pop in the odd plant, if you'd like, the odd tree or shrub. And yeah, look at all the way through till November 12th, highs of uh, between 6 and 2 degrees. So perfect fall, um, early winter uh, gardening as well. Okay, I got a quick text here. It says, I bought some lawn fertilizer with humid acid, but is 3203. Yeah, that's the typical, is it a good blend? It, yeah, and it gets really green because it has a really high nitrogen on the front end, um, but there's no anything there for the root system. Um, so typically, you'll end up watering a fair bit more. So our our blend is 28... Um, no, eighteen twenty-eight eight, and so we have a high middle number and a little bit less than the nitrogen. The nitrogen still tons of nitrogen to get it green, and but the middle number we have a a higher middle number to build the root system up, makes it a lot more drought tolerant and thickens it up. So in comparison, um, so you'll have an eighteen twenty-eight eight compared to a thirty zero three. And the zero is your root system. So that would be the, that's a one that they, they typically sell across Canada. And it's, it's a decent fertilizer where, where they don't need the phosphate. But in Alberta, we do need the phosphate in our soil because it, it doesn't have a lot of the organic matter that they're going to get in DC and, and Ontario and some places where you have a lot more lakes and a little bit more of that uh, green organic matter going. Anyways. Um, what do I have here? I have a couple more texts that I will read. We are needing to plant a shelter built on our acreage in the foothills northwest of Calgary. We need year-round coverage from the road, so using spruce trees, but we'll also want to take advantage of varying heights. What types of shrubs and trees would you recommend for quick growth? What I would definitely recommend is using um, a row of Velocia lilacs, and and then I would put a row of either um, a type of poplar or um, a willow, laurel leaf willow would be great. And then I would put the spruce trees on the closest side to the house. So that way you get to see the, the evergreen coverage and get to enjoy that throughout the winter and year round. <clears throat> but what it does is, when the wind first hits the lilacs, they're going to cover all the lower part. So your lilac hedge will get between the six and eight feet high. And then as it goes, then the next row would be the laurel leaf willows or a type of poplars. And and then your evergreens on the other side of, uh, of your side of what you get to see. And that gives you a really good shelter belt. And if you have water or anything nearby, it'd be great. If you could just clear that whole section, so three rows, I would probably make it at least <clears throat> 30 feet wide, probably, if you could, and then strip all the way along, and then plant your trees in there, and then I'd put bark mulch underneath that to hold the moisture in, and I'd put a drip system so you're, you're not wasting any water. And for the most part, depending on how long it is, you should be able to water all those trees at any one time. Um, just using, I would have a three quarter inch line 
strung out up and down each row of the trees, and then an emitter that just um, lets the a certain amount of water out at one time at each tree, and that's going to give you a great um, shelter belt that will grow great for you. And if you need some help with that, you can contact us at the store, and we'd be more than happy to order that stuff in in larger quantities, depending on what you're doing, and uh, and help you get that set up at the store and and get your shelter belt on the way. They're they're needed. I've done a few of them, and man, it makes a difference. We were we were in a big garden that we had done years before, and and we're just sitting there. And just there's no wind in this garden. Those the sun or the wind hits it and then just goes over top and sort of creating like a microclimate. And, uh, it just makes all the, all the difference. And, and this creates a great shelter belt, gets the wind going up and over top and keeps it nice and warm in front of it in your yard area and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, definitely love, love to help you out with that. If you need some of that help, we'd be more than happy to do that for you. All right, I'm going to take a quick break. And again, I've got a few texts that are coming in. I'll read those off for the last segment. And phone line is open, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. And again, uh, whoever picks up all the music, I enjoy it at the beginning. Sometimes you just feel like just sitting there letting it go for, for the whole song. And... Yeah, good job, Gord. See, we found out what uh, what Gord's good at picking good music. So, thanks to him and uh, and whoever else always helps us. I appreciate it a lot. It's uh, gets everyone in line on the phone lines and also um, keeps us sounding so good. So, thanks, Gord. Even though he's an Oilers fan, we won't hold that against him. All right, let's. <laughs> Sorry, Gord. Anyways, we're going to go. I got a few texts that I'm going to read and and then go from there. And I think we're almost going to finish up the show. Hi, if it warms up, is it still okay to use wilt proof on the evergreens? Absolutely. I mentioned that earlier and absolutely. It's a perfect time, sort of that above five degrees. Um, and it's a great to apply. But what I would do too is just hose them off first and, and let it dry for whatever, 20 minutes, a half hour, an hour, whatever. And then, then apply the wilt proof to your evergreens, like cedars, um, any of your cowrie boxwoods, things like that. Um, any of the tender, what else is there? Junipers for the most part. Spruce trees don't need it for the most part. And then, and this is how to apply it. Well, it's a water soluble, so you got to mix it into a sprayer. And then you just spray it on there. So, and like I said, if you if you end up doing it for the winter, so if you get yourself a, like a one liter spray bottle or something like that, mix up enough, depending on how much you have to do, and then you can just reshake it, and and you can apply it if you are doing any of those winter arrangements, or if you want to, if you're doing it now. So you got November, December, January. So if you want to look at applying it again in January and run those chinooking days, um, would definitely be very helpful. And it just it makes all the difference. This helps seal in, like I said, lip balm for all your for all your tender evergreens here in Calgary, where we're going to get the dryness coming out. So no big deal, and we can help you through that. And 
here we got one. I got another text here. It says, we had your printed up team here a couple weeks ago to trim our mountain ash. They did an amazing job and, well, and put a band around the two other trunks to keep them secure. Great group of people that are excited to climb and get to work. All right. You can tell they love their job. One of them said it was the biggest mountain ash they've ever seen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, um, and that was, uh, appreciate that, Maureen. It's uh, very nice of you to pass that on. And they are, they're passionate. Like they're, um, and I've said that to a few people. Um, we got such a really good team at Spruce Up and Prune It Up and our landscape team right now. So it's, it's nice um, when everyone's going in the same direction and we've been able to, to build that over the years so mark and his team down at prune it up they do a great job and and always training and that's the part of it and and safety becomes a big because there's a lot of guys that you can put a chainsaw on the back of your truck and and call yourself a tree pruning company so just if you can't glue those back on so just ensure whoever you are going to get out um chat with them first um see what they say before you uh let them into your yard and uh, and hopefully <clears throat> end up with some good results. All right. What are your thoughts about knocking snow and ice off of the branches? <clears throat> Excuse me, like evergreens, um, birch, cherry, aspen. Um, I, I, I do think because this first snowfall was fairly heavy. So it is important to do that um, if you can, because sometimes it, it can break the branches. Um, so if, if possible, shaking them off. Um, definitely doesn't hurt to do that. And uh, once we get later on in the winter, a lot of the heavy snowfall and it's not as warm and the he and the snow isn't quite as heavy, um, you don't need to worry about it as much. But when the trees, and there's still a lot of aspens that have kept their leaves on again this year and uh, and they are holding the snow up there. So yeah, giving a little shake definitely does not hurt at all. All right. And this one is from Carol. And it says, hey, let's talk gardening. I have an aloe vera plant that's in a 14-inch pot. It keeps growing and growing. Got it as a very small plant. Do I need to transplant it again? See, that's – and you're, you're probably getting a bunch of multiple plants in there, I'm assuming, because most of those aloe vera, vera plants, they, they'll spread out babies. So if you do transplant it, what I do is pull that out of the pot and then break apart the root system and then put the main one back into that same pot and either transplant those other ones into a bunch of other little pots and either give them away or have them in other parts of your house. But yeah, um, most of those succulents don't have really big, huge root systems. So a 14-inch pot is pretty big. As long as it's not top-heavy and fallen over, it'll be fine in that. But but typically when they do expand, they, they are quite easy to separate. If you pop it out, lay it down onto some newspaper or garbage bag or something, and then pull the roots apart and split it that way and it's definitely a good way to do it and and that is it for the show thanks everybody for participating as best we could i tried to answer and uh, enjoy the rest of your sunday and we'll get our garden on right here next week on qr calgary <laughs>